0: I don't know what your experience is with God at church here or in Lancaster. Maybe the idea of of God is um, has been a stretch for you, or maybe you kind of feel like because of life and the things that you've gone through, you've wondered, is God there? I just want to say this. I want you to hear me. God is for you. Do you know that? God is for you. God loves you. God is for you. And God is faithful. I, I can say that no matter what we've gone through, what I've gone through. I can say this. God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Come on. It's good to be in church today, isn't it? Come on. want to just send my love to our Lancaster campus. Happy St. Patrick's Day. You got your green on? Who got your green on? If you don't pinch somebody that ain't got their green on today, slap them, hug them, whatever. And hey, listen, we're going to have fun today. I believe that God has given me a word that is going to be so practical, so helpful. We've been in a series called Middle Management. Today we're going to wrap up this series. And we've been learning throughout this entire series that when it comes to our finances that God is the owner. Everything we have actually belongs to God. And yet He's called us to be the managers or the steward. And when we steward wisely what God has entrusted to us, He can provide an even greater blessing in our lives. And we've been learning all throughout the series what does it mean to steward it? Ultimately, we, we learned putting God first is the best thing that you can do for your finances. Today I've got a short story that I want to share with you of a family from our church. A family that maybe some of you will identify with this was in a difficult place financially. And they heard some of the things that we were talking about through God's word about what does it mean to put God first financially, and what difference does it make when God gets the first what does he do with the rest and man I'm telling you it is a story that will inspire you especially if you're in a place where you're going "Ah, our finances I'm telling you there's freedom when we learn to do it God's way and so I I hope you enjoy this story do me a favor both the campuses go ahead and grab a seat and take a look at the story it was
1: 2002 Um, we got married and about a year later we built our dream house. And we had um, nine years there, and then in 2011, um, I had missed a mortgage payment. And we had called the lender, we had told them you know, we had had a family tragedy, and I just kind of forgot. And they told us, basically, that they were going to start the affordability process. You know, we've
2: been building this life, and all of a sudden, it's uh, either allow the foreclosure to happen or prepare for short sale. We luckily we got the short sale going, and it didn't. It wasn't like the worst case scenario.
1: So we, uh, worked with a realtor, and we got it short sold um, in March of uh, 2013. And I was devastated. I didn't want anyone to know.
2: I felt like a complete failure. You know, having to sell a house like that. Um,
1: and we ended up moving into an apartment. It was what we could afford at the time, so it was kind of our in-between
2: spot. I put into place the things that would work into my life at that point, and I made a commitment to tithe no matter what. It's like the, like the we get our direct deposit, and she sends the text to give, like, from bed.
1: Love that feature. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> Before we made the commitment to tithe, we were making the payments and nothing was getting, like the balances weren't shrinking. I was like, where's the money going? But it was like, we started like committing to tithe and like all of a sudden, like the debt snowball ball actually started working. Like everything, because like, I thought, well, you know, if I don't tithe, I got an extra, you know, so much a week I can put towards bills. And it, it didn't matter, that didn't, that didn't make a difference. If it wasn't going into, you know, going to the text to give, it wasn't going where it needed. We made the hard decision to move in with my in-laws.
1: I thought it was crazy.
2: It was the only way to save money and rebuild our credit at the same time. It was just the only way to get it done.
1: So while living with our parents, we you know we would pay them rent um, and also some housing expenses. And then with what was left over, we started just throwing that at, at debts. We were debt-free in half the time that it was going to take us and i don't think that would have been possible if we had not trusted god with that first 10 percent.
2: we got to where the the financial guy we were working with told us you can look for a house and this one house came up and we, we had to book the showing we went to it we put in an offer that night they were only taking offers that one night we were uh what 500 over asking that was the that was the max we approved for it. It was funny, it posted online that it was in contract before we got the call.
1: I was like,
2: we didn't get it. We didn't get it. <laughs> and, but then, like, all of a sudden, like, a few minutes later, we got the call, hey, you got the house. And we're like,
1: what? What? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this time, we we came out and p- purchased this house with a completely different mindset. This is not just our house.
2: Yeah, we, we kind of, uh, we, you know, we took that Joshua, as for me, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We took, I know it's like, in that term, house is like your family, Family. but we said, no, the house, the house- The actual
1: physical house will serve the Lord. That house is not just the Roth house. It belongs to God.
2: It doesn't make sense to give God 10% of your paycheck every day. It doesn't make sense. I can't explain how it starts working, but I can do more with my 90%. That's left over after I give the tithe than I did, ever did with my hundred
0: Come on, what an incredible testimony. Listen, I believe that their story can be your story. I really do. What we've talked about this entire series, that if you would seriously like learn what it is to put God first and then to take some of the other steps that we've been talking about, in fact, Last week, if you were here, Pastor Russ brought an incredible message on debt. Come on, wasn't that awesome? Let's just honor him and thank him for coming and preaching on it. Cause I mean, that's a tough subject to talk about. You know, no one wants to talk about debt, but, but the truth is this, I believe that God has a plan for us to live in freedom in every area of our lives, including our finances. And I want to say, as we wrap up this series, that if, as you're going through it, if you've been thinking, man, we need to change something, but we're not really sure how to get momentum in this area, we want to help you. The reason why I did this series is because my heart is, I want to see this for every family who's a part of X Church. I really do. And so I want to say that if you want help, we are here to help. In fact, we have a financial experience coming up March 31st. It's in a couple Sundays. Okay, it's going to be on a Sunday evening. And we've got several really smart, wise financial people on, in our church that are going to kind of talk about a little presentation about what they do and then want to help you coach one on one or whatever is needed to help you kind of just get a handle on your finances. So I'm just saying, take advantage of that. Before you leave today, do not wait. Stop off in our foyers, our info bar, sign up and say, Sign me up for that. I'm telling you, if you need help, there's no shame in it. We want to help because I'm telling you, you can experience what they're. What they experience if we learn to put God first in our finances, and then we learn to be a good steward in every single area of our finances. Today, as we wrap up this series, it is going to probably be no, it will be the most helpful and practical message maybe that you will hear ever from me. Okay, matter of fact, you might feel like this isn't even a sermon. This is a message on on finances and. How is that even spiritual? Well, we've learned through this whole series that being a good steward is absolutely spiritual. And so we need to learn how to steward well what God has has blessed in our lap. How do we manage that well? So we're going to talk about the two most difficult things that all of us wrestle with. I want to talk about the two greatest challenges to being a good financial steward when it comes to the finances we have. And that is these two areas, spending and saving. Spending and saving. I'm telling you, these are the two most critical. Listen, if you're a note taker, you are going to be so happy today. I'm going to give you so much that you can write down. If you're not a note taker, you are today. So do me a favor get out your phone. If you don't have a piece of paper, we have those little sermon notes that you can now get in front of your auditorium every single week. I'm going to challenge you to write this stuff down. Because I'm telling you, I'm going to give you a lot of just wisdom that I have received from God's Word, from people in my life, and from experience. And I'm going to tell you, if you are younger, if you're in high school, middle school, college, listen up big time. Parents, you're going to want to have your kids listen to this. Because what I'm going to share can really help set people on a good direction when it comes to spending and saving. Now, here's what I've discovered. When it comes to being a spender or a saver, usually we're one or the other. And oftentimes i found in a marriage that one's a spender and one's a saver. That's what i found a lot of times. Let me just ask real quick, just... Just be honest, and let's just own it. It's just kind of fun, okay, in church. Like, how many of you would just own it, say you're a spender? Raise your hand if you're a spender. Lift your hand, okay. Ooh, we got a lot of spenders in Lithopolis today. Come on, doesn't it make you feel good to spend? I mean, come on, is it your favorite thing ever when you see something's on sale, right? Like, doesn't your heart skip a beat when you can get something new? Come on, if you're a spender, like, you're, you're, your mindset is this. Why should I leave money in an account collecting dust when I can use it to experience all that God has for me in this life? Amen? You're a spender. Got some spenders in the house. How many of you are savers? Raise your hand if you're you're a saver. My wife didn't raise her hand, no. Are you a spender, honey? She's in between. Some of you are like, I'm not sure. I get that. I feel like I'm a spender one day and I'm a saver next, right? The, it's funny, though. There's some of you that you you're, your heart, like, is just beats and, and skips a beat every time you log in and look at all of your accounts and you get to see the balance, right? And you have a panic attack when your account gets below a certain amount, don't you? You're a saver. Like what makes your heart happy is knowing that you have money saved up for the future. And that's incredible. And I think sometimes when it comes to spending and saving, that sometimes we, we've got this mindset that to spend is bad, To save is good. Right? Maybe growing up, your parents would always say, no, no, don't spend the money. You need to save it. Like, why? Right? Like, and so we sometimes think spending is bad and saving is good. In fact, so much so that I I feel like a lot of times, maybe you ever feel like this, that it's kind of like this mental picture of an angel of saving on one shoulder and the devil of spending on the other shoulder. And they're constantly whispering in your ear, buy it. Don't buy it. Save don't save. That's dumb. Buy it. You'll be happy, right? And we feel like we're in constant tension between the two. Let me just say something. I want to kind of give you a new perspective. I don't believe that spending is bad and saving is good. In fact, I believe that both spending and saving can be a good thing. And we can do it in a way that honors God. See, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that says, that. hey, spending money, buying things is a bad thing. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But I think being wise with our spending is important. Today I want to talk about the two keys to financial management. How do I become a good steward? These are the two keys we're going to talk about today. And that is this. We're going to learn to spend wisely. Write that down. Spend wisely. Pastor said we can spend money. I know, but I said spend wisely. You're going to spend wisely. And the second thing we're going to learn to do is save diligently. Save diligently. Write them down. Spend wisely and save diligently. Say them out loud with me. We're going to learn to spend wisely and save diligently. We got to learn these two things. I believe that these two keys are critical to being a good steward with all that God has blessed us with. And so let's talk about spending for a little bit today. Okay. And all my spenders get real excited. I'm going to help you out. Okay. And when we talk about spending wisely, what does it mean to spend wisely? What I want to do today is I want to give you three questions that you need to ask before you buy. So you're shopping online, you got it in your cart, before you hit, confirm, before you hit, buy it. Three questions that all of us should ask if we're going to learn to spend wisely before we buy. Are you ready? You, got, you ready to write these down? You got to write them down. They're so good. Okay. First one, we're going to get into it a little softly, but the first one is this. Ask this question. Do I have the money to buy this? I know, you're thinking this seems so elementary, but it's not. Do I have the money to buy this? That is a question that you should ask before you buy. Do I have the money to buy this? Now, I know this seems kind of obvious. Like, hello, yeah, if I get money, then you know I buy it. And the reason why it's not that obvious is because we live in a day and age and culture where you can buy things without having the money for it. Like you got a couple friends with you at all times, Visa, MasterCard, you know what I mean? They go with you everywhere you go, right? And we got some friends and store credit cards and all these things that will enable you to buy even if you don't have the money for it. So we need to back up and ask this first question, do I have the money to buy this? Now Jesus actually said something about this. In fact, in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, let me read to you. There was a financial principle that Jesus kind of drops on us when he's actually talking about what it means to follow him. And he said this, suppose that one of you wants to build a house. Well, I know it says tower, but, but I don't build any towers. So I need to kind of a, I need to apply this today. Suppose one of you wants to buy a new outfit. Suppose one of you wants to buy a new car. Okay, you can put whatever in there. It says, won't you first sit down and estimate the what? What's that word? Say it out loud. Estimate the, the cost to see if you have enough money to purchase it, to complete it. Like, I know this seems so, like, intuitive. Like, do you either got the money or you don't have the money? The problem is, is in our culture that you can get things without having the money. You really can Jesus kind of says, well, well come on, man. but when it comes to finances, if you're going to be wise, he says, before you hit buy, okay, before you say, throw this in my car, before you sign on the dotted line, he says, you should first stop and consider the cost. What is this really costing you? Now, let me tell you a little trick that I have figured out with marketing today. There's a trick in our culture that if you don't watch out, will trip you up okay when it comes to finances and I learned this very early age as an adult that people won't ask do you have the money to buy this okay especially if you're buying something big you know what they'll ask they'll say this how much can you afford monthly new furniture how much can you afford monthly new car how much can you afford monthly new house how much can you afford monthly and be careful because it's a little bit of a trap it really is you know the first time I heard this as a young adult uh, my wife and I were ready to buy our first car. First car we'd ever bought together. We'd been married for about a year or so, I think. And my wife had just graduated from nursing college and just got a great job at a hospital, but it was on the west end of Columbus. It was like a 55 minute drive to, to her workplace. And so she got this new job, and it's like all of a sudden, you know, she had no, no real income. Now, all of a sudden, making some good money. And uh, at the time, we were driving two uh, very used cars. you know what I mean when I say very used? Any of you have a very used car? I'm not saying a used car. I'm saying it's very used. It had been used a lot, okay? And, um, and so we had this car. It was a 1989 Ford Tempo. And it was great because our cars were paid for. They were old. They were several, several years old. But most of the time, they got us to where we needed to go. But her car, this Tempo, was starting to have all kinds of problems. In fact... It would often overheat while you drove it. Did any of you ever had a car that would overheat when you drive it? See, I learned a skill. When your car is gonna overheat when you drive it. Here's what you do, many people don't know this, so I'm just dropping all kinds of wisdom on you today. Here's the idea, drive fast. You drive as fast as you can so that the wind will cool the engine down. The worst thing that can happen if your car overheats is you get stuck in traffic. That's a nightmare. And so I remember we decided, let's go look for a car. And we happened to drive around. We we found this dealership on the west end of Columbus called Buckeye Nissan. I just want to give a little shout out. I don't know if he's even here today. But listen, um, the guy who was the general manager of the dealership when we bought our car, this was years and years ago, actually goes to our church today. His name's Steve Illich. And listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. One of the best cars you could ever buy is a Nissan from Steve. And so I'm just going to tell you right now, if you need a car, you go all the way to the West End, Buckeye Nissan, okay? And you tell Steve, you say, hey, Steve, Pastor Tim sent me. and said, you give really good discounts to people from X Church. <laughs> He'll love you. He'll love it, okay? I'm telling you, I love, oh, oh, he's amazing, okay? And so I remember we go looking for a car. We pull up and we found this, this Nissan Maxima. And it was like a year old. It had 20,000 miles on it. Cloth interior, power windows. It was amazing, okay? We took it for a test drive, and we come back, and we're like, man, we love this car. This is it. This is the car, right? And uh, and so the salesperson's talking to us, and we go, and we sit down. This is what they'll do. And sit down. And uh, you like that car? Yeah, 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 we really like that car. Now, here's the thing I need to say up front about this, okay? Um, when I go car shopping, um, you need to understand something about me. I Not only am I ultra-competitive, but I'm also Jewish. So I... I have to get the best deal possible, okay? I gotta feel like I won. All right? I'm just telling you, I gotta feel like I won. And so we're in there and, and and the salesperson says, Okay, yeah, I said we're really interested in this car. I'm not sure if we can afford it, but we're not sure but we are really interested in this car. And he looked at me and he said, Well, how much can you guys afford monthly? That was the first time I heard that. And I was like, No, 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 no. don't don't distract me. Like I wanna talk about the price of the car. He's like, No, 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 no. No, we don't we don't worry about that how much can you afford monthly in your budget because we got all kinds of creative ways of doing this i mean we can extend the loan way out we can do all kinds of things we want to get you this car inside of that monthly payment. and i said no, no 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 you don't understand who you're dealing with <laughs> i said i'm not here to talk about how much we can afford monthly i want to talk about the price of the car you see you need to consider the cost of something before you buy it the complete cost and the trap in this world today is like, well, can you afford this month? Like, oh, you want to get new jewelry? Hey, you can just take out a card, a store card, and you can just pay $35 a month. You're going to pay it until you're 68 years old, but you can still do this. And I'm telling you, it's a trap. Okay, be careful, it's a trap. The first question that you need to ask is this Do I have the money to buy this? Because let me tell you a little secret. If you don't have the funds, it won't be very fun. Do you hear me? I'm telling you, if you don't have the funds, it won't be very fun. I mean, you walk away, it feels really good to have the bags, and it feels great to drive it off the lot, but I'm going to tell you, you will end up regretting your purchase. And It'll be a weight around your neck. So the first question we're going to ask is, do I have the money to buy? Now listen, I want to say this. I know that sometimes there are things that we have to pay for monthly. You know, a house, it's really expensive, I don't have money for a house, you know, Pay for it monthly. A car. You might have to pay for it monthly. Be smart. If you're going to do that, make sure you have room in your budget. Make sure you have margin, that big M-word, margin, in your budget to pay for it monthly. This is so critical. Okay? I'm just trying to help. The second question that you're going to ask, after you say, do I I have the money to buy this? The second question you're going to ask. This one's a really tricky one. You're going to ask this question. Is this a need or a want? Is this a need or a want? I drove my wife crazy with this question, that's why she's laughing right now. Because I've been preparing, and I was thinking about this message. And so we go out shopping on Friday, and we went to Target. Have I ever told you how much I hate Target? My wife knows this. I am saying this on behalf of all the husbands out here. I hate, I hate Target with everything. I think I hate Target more than Walmart. And that's a lot to say. That I do. I hate Target because we can never go to Target and walk out without spending one hundred dollars. I tell her that's the rule. I, I, every time, she's like, "Let's just go to Target." I am like, "No, we can't afford to go to Target." <laughs> it's bad when you say you can't afford to go to Target. And so we're walking through the store. And my wife's got in our, Oh, we got to buy all these things that we need to in our house. And, and so we're walking through. I am driving her crazy. We're going out and she's like, "We need new towels." I said, do we need or do we want new towels? I'm driving her nuts with this. She was like, our towels are 10 years old. They're a little crusty. We need new towels. Now, I I just, shes gonna kill me for saying that. They're just, you know, you wash them a lot and they just don't feel soft. And I'm like, I I just kept saying, is that a need or a want? Apparently we needed towels, we bought new towels. And (laughs) we needed new towels. So I need a new laundry hamper, mine broke. And I was like, is that a need or is that a want? She was like, well, you do the laundry. That was a need. We got a new laundry hamper right there on the spot. I don't know how many you want. We'll get them all. I think sometimes, if we could just be honest, right, it's a little tricky to decipher between needs and wants. And I think, I'm just speaking to those of us that maybe, you know, especially those who live in America, grow up in America, grow up in an incredible land of opportunity and blessing like we do. In fact, I would say that we've grown up with so much blessing that we've become accustomed to it as a lifestyle, and then what happens is we hear things in Scripture about God and His making promises and promising to provide, and all of a sudden, sometimes as Christians, that's what I say about Christians, we're really good at taking some of the promises God has made about meeting our needs and twisting them in our minds mentally with an expectation that God is actually going to give me everything that I want. And when he doesn't, we get a little discouraged, we get a little defeated, we start to doubt God. I think we need to learn to separate him because be careful that we don't take promises that God has made. God has promised as your children, especially when we will honor him with the first fruits. And God has made incredible promises to us. Like Philippians 4.19, there's a verse that many of you have heard. You've been in church, right? You hear the preacher preaching it. And my God, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And when you hear that, you're like, amen, preach it. The problem is we have selective hearing. What most of the time we hear the preacher saying is, my God will meet all of your riches according to his riches and its riches in, in Christ Jesus. And we twist it around in our heads, and all of a sudden we kind of have an expectation for God that you're going to give me everything that I really want. Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto me. Oh, all these things will be added unto me. If you read the context, he says the things you need. You know, food, clothing, shelter, the things you need. And and sometimes we we have a twisted approach in our minds about what is a need and what is a want. Let let me show you how confusing this is because you think, this is kind of easy. Is it a need or is it a want? Actually, it's far more confusing than you can imagine. Like, let me just ask. We'll just go through a couple of them together, and let's just let's just try them together and see. I'll ask you, is this a need or is this a want? And you just shout it out loud, okay? Food, is that a need or a want? Mm, is it? This is, how, this is how tricky it is, right? We need food to survive. It's a need. We need food to survive. And I need to go out to eat after church today. And I need to go out three times this week. And, oh, I need some coffee. And, oh, I need, you know what? Do you, do you see what I'm saying, how confusing the line gets? So there's a difference between I need and I want, even with food. Yeah, it's a need, but I want to go out and I want to eat this and I want to, that could be a want. So you've got to figure this out. It's super important to figure this out. How about this? Transportation, a car. Is that a need or a want? I'd say it's a, car, it's a need. You need. You need a car to get you to work so you can make money. You need a car so that you can uh, take your kids to places they need to go, right? You need a car to get to church, amen? It's a need. I'm just saying it's a need. It's not a want. You got to get to church. You need to. You need to, right? I also need to have my truck lifted, and I need 35s, and I need an 8-inch screen, and I need premium sound system, and I need leather, and I need cooled and heated seats, and I need four-wheel drive and I need an extra bumper on the outside. And I, do you see what I'm talking about? What's, where's the need and where's the want? Well, I, I need a new car. Do you need a new car or you just want a new car? Is there a difference between your car is breaking down? Or there's a difference, so I just, I just, I don't know. I just kind of, my car's kind of old. It's three years old, so old. <laughs> just past 50,000 miles, I'm afraid it's gonna break down. I need a new car. You need to learn to determine is it a need or is it a want? Here's another one. This one kind of gets a little tricky, I'll be honest with you your cell phone. Is that a need or a want? Need. It's a need. It's a need, right? I need a cell phone. Now, now, a lot of us grew up without them, but I think we all agree we need these. We need these, right? And I need an iPhone XS Max with 256 gig of storage. Amen? Praise the Lord. I need that. My God shall meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. No, you need to recognize that you might need a cell phone, but the kind of cell phone could be a want, the plan could be a want, and maybe you could argue that a cell phone's really a want more than a need. And one last one, like, just, just so we can kind of make sure that we are clear. Cable TV, is that a need or a want? That's a want. I'm sorry, that's a want. It's a want. So, and listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't want for us to be able to afford things we want. Don't, don't, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is before you purchase something, determine and at least process, is this something that I need or something that I want? And again, the first question, do I have the money to buy it? Is it a need or is it one? You know, here's why I say that. Because there are some families that are on the verge of losing their house, but they keep their $140 a month cable bill. That makes no sense to me. We need to to learn to process, is this a need or is this a one? And then here's the third question you're going to ask before you hit buy. when? Is the right time to buy this. I've always wanted this. That's great. That's great. That's great. When is the right time to buy this? In fact, let me just tell you about a really dangerous four-letter word that probably causes more fights in marriages than any other four-letter word you can imagine. And it's the word sale. S-A-L-E. It's on sale! Man, isn't it amazing when stuff's on sale? In fact, I... I, (laughs) You, you maybe have someone in your family that, when it's on sale, they can't see anything else but the sale, right? It's like, and I get emails every single day. Do my email account tell me about how there's like 40% off today only, and you gotta buy it right now today? And we live in a culture where we have this fear of missing out, and so I gotta get it. I gotta get it now. And I want to buy it. I gotta buy it right now. Do you realize that this, this sense of I need this right now? It's probably one of the most deceptive things that we wrestle with when it comes to spending. When you have that desire that, in fact, I, I, I heard this study. It was shocking when I heard this. There was a study that was done of about 2,000 households, and they studied them for a while. And what they discovered was on average, people tend to make about three impulsive purchases every single week. Three. Impulsive purchase. Some of you are thinking, shoot, is that all rookie? And three (laughs) impulsive purchases every week, which total up about monthly to about $450. That was on average, impulsive. Which means over a year, that's $5,400 of impulsive spending. Let me ask you this. Do you have that kind of margin in your budget? Because what most of us, we don't. We fill our b- budget up. Even if you're giving God the first 10% and you're trying to do us. we fill up the rest of it and then all of a sudden it's on sale and I need this now. I want it. No, I need it now. And here's what I want to say, listen, about impulsive spending. Listen to this. I really believe that impulsive spending is often a symptom of a deeper issue. Like when you have to have something so that you'll be happy, What's the, there's a deeper issue at work. When if you don't get this thing right now, you will not be fulfilled in life. There's a deeper issue at work, and a lot of times, instead of just trusting God to be our source and God to be the one that fulfills us and God the one be the one who just kind of brings a completeness to our lives, a lot of times it's buying something. It's the next thing. I need something new. I have seen and know families that whenever something difficult happens in their life, they go buy something new. Why? Because I need that to feel something alive. We we need to watch out. Be careful. It's a trap. In fact, I discovered this this truth about about shopping and stuff on sales and marketing. Do you want to know one of the primary reasons why they market like that? There's actually a physiological answer for it in your body. There is a space in your brain where there's a chemical response or chemical reaction to stuff that you and I see on sale. Where you got to get it today. Three-day sale ends tomorrow. You're going to miss out. And I won't. You don't want to be the only one without. Do you know what it is? There's a chemical reaction that goes off in your brain. that releases this chemical called dopamine. And dopamine is a chemical and in your brain that actually kind of is one of the things that's triggered when you experience pleasure. And so now get this. Retail therapy, that's a real thing. Hello, ladies. I'm helping you out. Okay, I'm a little depressed. I need to go shopping. And what happens is that all of a sudden this this dopamine chemical is released and you all of a sudden feel like I need this right now. And what we don't realize is that it's a trick, it's a trap, it's a marketing ploy to get you to buy something thinking you're missing out by not having it. L- let me just give you a piece of advice that my dad gave me when it comes to when should I buy this? This I, I, this can help so much. It'll save you so much grief in life and that is this implement a waiting period when you want to buy something implement a waiting period oh i want a new bike implement a waiting period oh we want a new car implement a waiting period oh we want to go on vacation implement a waiting period L- let me tell you what it is my dad taught me this he said he said here's what i do is my dad he told me he said before i go buy anything if you, again we've already said do i have the money to buy this is this a need or want and if i have the money to buy it regardless the need or want then okay my dad said this if it was I think it was $100 or more. And, and all, we're all in different financial places. So it might be $50. You figure out what that significant purchase is, everyday purchase. He said, before I would buy it, and I'd see it on sale and I want to get it. He said, I had this rule. I wait three days before I buy it. Three days. You know what I said to him? What if it goes off sale? <laughs> what if it goes off sale? That's okay. He said, I wait three days and I pray. Three days? It's, just, it's only 100 bucks. What do you pray for? He said, I pray. I say, God, if, if you want me to have this, God, if I should have this, then, then, um, then give me a good deal on it. But he waits, and he, and he prays, and he says, okay, three days. Now I know this might be real trivial. Like, what's the big deal? Because here's what happens when you wait. You know that dopamine hit? By the way, you know what they say? This is crazy. They say, um, when it comes to shopping, that they used to say it was a compulsion. And now today, they actually say, they put it in the same category as an addiction because of what happens. It's this kind of release that a drug addict gets. And, and so what happens is, if you wait, that dopamine effect will wear off. And there are a lot of things that when you see it, I got to have it, that a little bit later you kind of go, eh, I don't know. I don't really care if I have that. It happens a lot. I would tell you more significant purchase, $200, $300, $500, $1,000, wait 30 days. I can't wait that long. Then there's another problem. If you can't wait then I'm telling you, it's pressing in on something inside of you that says, I have to have now. And I just want to encourage you. I'm not saying don't buy it. I'm just saying, ask this question, when should I buy it? And I believe that if you will implement those three questions before you buy, it can save you a ton of grief in your life. So how we're going to learn to spend wisely. Now, the other half of this that I want to talk about, and it is the most exciting part. This is what you've been waiting for the whole time. The other part of good financial management is saving diligently. Can we just agree that talking about saving money is about the most boring thing you can imagine? I mean, I I remember the first time I got a job, a real, real, like, grown-up job, okay? Making good money. And I remember this older person in my life said, let me give you a piece of advice. I was in my 20s. Start saving now for retirement. That's what I said. And like all 20-year-olds, I thought, I'm smarter than you. I don't need to do that. I'm I'm, I'm just saying right now, listen, I wish I'd started saving more aggressively when I was 20-something years old for my retirement. Because, you know, you think, that's never going to come around. That's never going to happen. I'm too young. Listen, it will. And time goes so fast. Anyone that's lived a little bit of life, they're going to tell you. And so saving is something I I think we all go, this is so boring. I don't want to hear it talk about saving. Let me tell you why we struggle with saving so much. Here's why. It's because for many of us, we don't have a vision for saving. Here's what it looked like. Your parents, you know, when you get an allowance or you get money for your birthday, right? Think about it. Parents, we've all done this, but my parents I know, do this. And you are ready to go buy something dumb. That's, that's the way we feel as parents, okay, just so you know. Some toy that you're not going to play with in a week. Some new ball that you're, you know, you're going to get bored with. You got 10 of them, but you need another one. Whatever it is, right, when I was a kid. And so as parents, we tell kids, come on, no, 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 don't spend it. Do you know what you need to do? Save it. We get them piggy banks. We say you should save, you should put money away and save it. And the question is always for what. And the problem is sometimes parents. I just want to encourage you. The problem is is that sometimes we learn growing up or we've been told save money, but never told save it for what. And so now it just feels like I just gotta waste the money and throw it in this bank. I can't ever get it back, and I hate the saving thing. I used to kind of feel that way until I got a vision for saving. And the moment I understood what I was saving for, it begins to change things in your life. I want to give you three things, and I believe these are three levels to saving, that if you can get to the third level, this is going to change your your finances. It'll change it. But these are so critical. The first one is this. Write this one down. We need to learn to save for future problems. Save for future problems. I know you don't expect your car to break down, and I know you don't expect your furnace to go out, And I know you don't expect to have a shortage in your escrow so that your payment has to go up. I know you don't expect to get unexpected medical bills, but let me just tell you something. All those things I just said, if you will live to be 30 years old, you have already experienced all of those things. That is life. There are so many things that happen. Things break. Our bodies break, our houses break, our cars break, uh, the market turns down. and, And we never really think about problems coming. In fact, we live in this world where it's like, we get married and everything is gonna be perfect in life. And you're gonna find out real quick, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work. You have to save for future problems. Now, let me tell you the best time to do this. The time to prepare for an emergency is when you aren't in one. You hear what I said? The time to prepare for an emergency is when you aren't in one. And the truth is, a lot of us aren't prepared. And our only emergency fund is Visa or American Express. And it can get you into a lot of trouble financially. What does it look like to save for future problems? There's an incredible story in the Bible that I just wanted to read to you a couple verses. It's a story of a a young guy named Joseph in Genesis chapter 41. And Joseph is this young boy that's sold into slavery by his brothers. He ends up going to Egypt, uh, get it, falsely accused, ends up sitting in a prison. And God had given him a spiritual gift to, to be able to interpret dreams. And he was able, while he was in prison, to interpret a dream for someone who was on the court, the king's court. And it came true. And the guy was restored to his position. Sometime later, two years or so later, after sitting in prison for something he didn't deserve... The king of Egypt has these two dreams one night that just startle him. I don't know if you ever had a dream that like, feels so incredibly real. He had two of them, and they were real similar. Here's how the dreams went. The first dream was he goes to sleep, and he sees these seven fat, juicy, black Angus cows, okay? Like just standing on the side of the riverbank. Just gorgeous. I mean, here are talking about Kobe beef. We're talking about prime rib, like really good-looking cows, right? And all of a sudden, he sees these seven, like, really skinny cows that just come walking up. I mean, these things look like they haven't eaten in three weeks. And all of a sudden, in his dream, and I know the dream's a little weird, the seven skinny cows all of a sudden eat the seven fat cows. I mean, this is a weird dream. And he wakes up startled. He's like, this is freaky. This is weird. You know, but you have one weird dream. It's not a big deal. It's just like, I don't know what I ate last night. You know, maybe he ate some steak and, you know, just sitting right with him. So he goes back to bed. And all of a sudden he has this other dream and he sees these grains of of wheat these stalks of grain seven of them big fat juicy i mean we're talking the best crops you can imagine and then all of a sudden seven withered ones come up and then the seven withered ones swallow up the seven full ones and it's the same dream and all of a sudden he's like something's going on like god's trying to tell me something and no one can interpret the dreams except for this guy named joseph and so joseph is brought before the king and joseph tells him here's what those dreams mean You're going to have seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. Listen, that's a fact of life. There's going to be some good times. There's going to be some bad times. There's going to be some times when you're doing really well financially. There's going to be some times when you're probably struggling financially. This is life. And so Joseph gives the king some advice. You want to talk about kind of gutsy. He gives him this advice. Let me read it to you Genesis 41. He says this, Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth. Does anybody know a quick conversion to percentages, because we operate in percentages? 20%. Very good. He says, let them collect one-fifth, 20% of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead, and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Now, look at these next three words. He says this, store it away. Would you all do me a favor and say those three words out loud with me, both campuses? Store it away. This is so critical. You got plenty? Store some of it away and go beyond that and guard it. So there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. What do we learn in this? Here's the lesson. In the good times, when you're not in emergency, you store it away and you guard it for an emergency. So the best financial advice I was given years and years ago was going through Dave Ramsey's material. He said get an emergency fund. Do you have an emergency fund? I'm asking. Do you have one? If not you need one and you need to start it today. What's an emergency fund? It's where you put away some money into a special account that is for emergencies Only and you got to not only store it away but you got to guard it. Can I just make a couple suggestions? And this is just some practical stuff. You might find this really helpful. Number one, do not store it in a local bank. Do not put it in a local bank. Well, I bank right here and it's nice. I have a savings account. Do not. I'm going to tell you why. I don't think you should store it in a local bank. And uh, maybe your grandmother always told you, I don't trust banks, stick it under the mattress. That's even worse. Don't store it in the mattress. You hear me? Your grandmother had a lot of willpower. You do not. Okay? I'm just going to say it. Okay? You need to store it. I wouldn't even do it in a local bank. Here's why. Because you never kind of have that moment where you're just driving around and you feel like you have a coffee emergency. i got to have coffee. I got coffee. I don't have any money. I'm going to swing by the ATM, 20 bucks, just take it out. Oh, we're going to lunch today. I'm having an emergency right now. I need me some Mexican food. It's an emergency. Oh, I want to get that new purse. I don't have the money. It's kind of an emergency. I need a purse. It's an emergency. My other one is looking a little worn. We will think anything is an emergency. Here's the best thing you can do. I just want to tell you this is what I do. Store it in an online safe institution, bank investment institution, where you can get access to it when you need it that gives you a great return in interest in your uh, emergency fund, okay? Let me tell you what I've done with mine. I used to use online banks. Now I've transferred that money to the Solomon Foundation. Now you've heard me talk about them. Let me just say this. I'm going to write this down. If you have an emergency fund in a regular account with your local bank, listen, write this down, thesolomonfoundation.org, and you're going to go look it up. Here's why. The Solomon Foundation is an incredible faith-based organization that funds churches like ours who are building. And here's what happens. Here's how the whole thing works. They fund it because people in the church and maybe outside of it give money into an investment account. The money goes to churches. The interest goes back. And by the way, the interest that they pay you for keeping your money in there, they're worth over a half a billion, okay, in assets that have been given in there. I moved my entire emergency fund over to it. And oh, by the way, you connect it to your checking account, and I have money that is taken out for free. Every two weeks, every paycheck gets, goes automatically in that account so I can build my emergency fund up. Listen, almost no minimum, I think it's like $200, but you're going to have 1000 at least, so it doesn't matter. Minimum, no other fees, you get 2.25% on just that. That's better than you're going to find local with banks, okay? And you're investing in a great purpose. So I just want to encourage you, you need to take like emergency fund, save for future problems because they are coming. Okay. That's the first level of saving. The second level is this, save for future purchases. Write that one down, save for future purchases. I feel like this is also kind of a lost art in our culture today. Today, we don't want to wait for anything, right? We, we, We hear this. You don't need to wait. You deserve it now. We don't, we don't wait to have sex before marriage. We don't wait to move in with someone before we say I do. We don't want to wait to drive a car that's like our parents drive. We don't wait to live in a house like they live. We don't, we don't wait for anything. We want to have it right now. And one of the things that I think gets us into so much financial trouble and why we don't have a vision for saving is because we do not save for future purchases. Listen, there are things that come up every single year that you ought to expect and you can actually begin to say for them, and it's exciting. Let me tell you a way I did this when I was really young, and this was great, man. I'm telling you some great advice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand down right now. Like my wife and I, when we were uh, about to get engaged, and you know, when you've been with somebody long enough and, and dating, and it's like you're starting to talk about marriage, and we knew this was coming. Uh, we actually went and did some ring shopping together. That's what a lot of couples do. And uh, she knew she was gonna get a ring, and so we went to a jewelry store, and I said, honey. I said, you can take your pick, I said, anything that you want in this store, as long as it's under $900. Because I don't know why you're laughing, but it's true, it was under $900. I was like, that's what I got, $900. You can't get a really big rock and a very good one for under $900. I'm just going to be honest with you, you can. And I said, anything you want, baby, your heart's desire. Okay, make sure that includes the actual wedding band, too, that goes on. Because I don't need more than that. $900. Go out and pick it, right? And my wife, she felt like the luckiest lady on the planet, right? I get to go through. I'm going to tell you, I was the luckiest guy in the world because of the set that she picked out. On sale for under $700. dollars ka You would much rather go into your marriage without a huge debt hanging over you. All those other things. Then having a small ring, because the ring does not justify the relationship, but the love that you have really is what justifies it. I know there's no ladies that won't say amen to that. You're like, eh, no. All the guys are like, praise Jesus. (laughs) I saved up for it. And then before 10-year anniversary, I saved up so I could upgrade her. Listen, we've lost the art of saving for future purchases. We kind of got this mindset that I want it right now. I, sh- I deserve it right now. And listen, there is, everybody and their brother is willing to loan you and give you credit today. Every store you go to, they're willing to, oh, you can't afford Oh, no, here, you get the new furniture to fill out your house. Oh, no, get to, the, to do this. Listen, we have, it, at times, gone years with having no furniture in our dining room. I mean, years, we used to do that. I mean, people would come over and like, hey, did someone break in and steal? Like, No, we didn't have the money to buy it. What's wrong with that? Wh- when do we learn that I don't need this right now, but I'm going to save for it? I'm going to save for it. And so I just want to encourage do you have any purchases coming up this year that you need to save up for that always seem to get you by surprise? Like here's a crazy one right? Christmas, it's always the same day on the calendar, and yet so often we come into it not ready. Your kids' sports. Here's what we've done. We have several accounts, online bank, online accounts. We have different amounts that go into it automatically because I know I'm gonna have to pay the fees for that. I'm gonna, you have a graduation coming up. You have a wedding coming up. You have this, start saving now. You save, here's the different levels. You're gonna save for future problems. Then you're gonna save for future purchases. And then here's the third level, and this is the most exciting one. Save for future plans. Save for future plans. here's what I know about you you have some dreams in your life something that you want to do most of us do if not all of us we have dreams we have things that we want to accomplish we have places that we want to go experiences that we want to have what would it look like if today you begin to fund your dreams even if it was a little bit because here's the here's the sad reality is that most of us even if we haven't written out a bucket list most of us have a mental bucket list Oh, one day we're gonna go there. Or one day I want to be able to take my grandkids on a special trip. Just that one grandchild every when they turn a certain age. One day we're, we're, I want to I want to be able to go on a mission trip every single year. One day I want to do this. We have dreams, and we should have dreams. And the sad reality is that think that many of us will never get to fulfill or experience those dreams because we won't have the funding for it. Because we just hope one day, someday, it's just all going to come together. Let me just tell you something. The reason why you begin to save now, save for future dreams, things that you want to do. My wife and I are talking about a trip that we want to do for our anniversary. We've been talking about for years. We never have. You know what we started doing? We started saving for it. Start saving for something that you have on your heart, your mind, that you want to do. Save for them. And I'm telling you that one of the most incredible things that could happen through this entire series is all of a sudden, You start to come to terms with your dreams. I really believe that God wants us to to experience, and those dreams a lot of times come from God. The things that we want to do in life. You only have one life to live. How about funding it? Not in debt. Not trying to go on this vacation and pay for it the rest of my life. But preparing for the future plans. And vacation's a small part of it. Do you know what God's really been speaking to me and challenging me about? Just as I've been going through this series, and I've read the book, and I hope you got that book that we made available. And, like, we've done well at saving for future problems and saving for future purchases. We're, we're doing good at that. But I thought, what would it look like to save for the plans that I feel like God has put in my heart? And one of the things that I felt like God just kind of impressed upon me and challenged me as I went through this series is that I would love to be a generous giver i'm not talking about the tithe and other things i'm talking about just to have a mindset of generosity where i could help meet a need when i see it and i I was just challenged by because listen i'll just be honest with you i'm not naturally generous like that's some people you meet them and they give you the shirt off their back and i'm like "Mm, this shirt costs a lot of money i'm not doing that like i'll go get you one at walmart like i'm just telling you i'm just not an ultra generous person and then I, i was super challenged by this book because i thought If I'm ever going to get to that place because I want to, why? Because when I think about God's irrational grace in my life, it really prompts me to want to be irrationally generous, but then all the times I have this tension in my life where I feel like I don't have the funds to do it. And I would love to be able to help when I see someone that needs help and someone's going on a trip and this youth is trying to go to this passion camp and they don't know they're going to have the money to do it or we need to raise $10,000. you know our youth ministry is trying to raise $10,000 as a ministry right now so they could subsidize the cost and pay for the busing so all our students could go to camp? I want to be able to give to that. I want to be like, oh, you need money? Here's $200. Here's $500. But then a lot of times I feel the tension of, well, I don't know if we have enough. And so I just, I felt like God was just pressing on me. Like, what would it look like for me to begin to save to be generous I could do that I could put ten dollars away a week twenty-five dollars every two weeks I could what would happen if I started doing that and all of a sudden I had a special account it was just a generous account what would it look like to be able to carry around a hundred dollar bill not to spend on yourself but whenever you saw somebody and God prompted your heart you could just walk up and say hey, I just want you to know God loves you and I felt like he told me to give this to you what would happen in our community if a church like ours all began to do that I think it would make a difference don't you and I think one of the greatest things that can happen through this whole series is these dreams I'm talking about your dreams my dreams is that our dreams would become his desires that's when you begin to find real maturity in your life when your dreams don't just become about you but they become about you others and your kids and your grandkids and helping others fulfill the mission God's called them that is when God I think looks from heaven says there's somebody that i want to bless when our dreams line up with his desires that's when god says i'm going to fund them through it so i just pray that through this series that we learn good financial management we're going to learn to spend wisely we're going to save diligently with a vision and when you begin to do this and get your finances in in alignment with god his blessing can flow through us Amen? amen amen come on would you bow your heads and pray father in heaven i just thank you for being a good a good father that loves to give good things to your kids and god i pray through this series that our hearts have been challenged i know i've been challenged god what does it look like for me lord to have my dreams align with your desires father i pray right now there's no condemnation for anyone lord if we're in a difficult financial place maybe we've lost a job Maybe uh, something tragic has happened. Maybe um, just maybe got in over our heads. Maybe didn't have good financial guidance when we were younger. And Lord, I pray right now that we would know what to do. I pray your spirit, your Holy Spirit, God, would speak and lead us to not just hear this message, but God, to apply it to our lives. And God, I really believe that you can set us free. I believe there is a better way to live, that you are a God of more, that you are a God of more than enough. But God, we need to align ourselves. To be a good financial steward good financial manager so that god you can bless it so give us the wisdom to know what to do with everything that we've heard in this series we thank you and praise you for your goodness and it's in jesus name we pray everyone said come on let's just give them praise today amen amen